Cole Kublitz, our good friend, SEC analyst. He joins us now on Dickerson and Hood on the Shell Pennzoil Performance Line. Cole, thank you as always, my friend, for giving us a little time. Um, anything strike you interesting listening to Greg Sankey this morning on with Marty and McGee? Anything he said that maybe you didn't expect him to say? Oh, there are a couple things I thought were very intriguing. I don't know about did not expect to say, but when, when you hear the commissioner of the most powerful conference in college football, um, you know, basically come out and say that, that things are bleak and, and things don't look great, um, that's a little bit scary. Uh, I believe the quote was, the direct reality is not good. Um, that, that concerned me, just to be perfectly honest with you guys. That worried me as, as somebody who calls games on the SEC network and does radio in Birmingham, Alabama, which is 90% SEC. So uh, that was concerning. But I think he, he also tried to wake some people up by discussing – how politicized some of the medical issues have become and how intelligent we maybe need to try to be over the next month, two months, if we want to try to squeeze some sort of a season in in the fall. And, and I think the rush to squeeze it in in the fall is not necessarily a rush. It's if we can get it in there, we don't know what the spring's going to look like. So you better be able to get it in where you can fit it in if you're going to play any football uh, this calendar season or early next calendar season. Cole, I thought that some of the Power Five conference commissioners were were kind of locking step a lot of this. Uh, how surprised were you that the Big Ten and the Pac-12 made that move so quickly to say, okay, only conference games? I was very surprised. Um, Pac-12, I wasn't surprised about that. I mean, I, I think I, I was reading. I was reading a book to my son. Uh, my son's three years old, and we were reading The Little Red Caboose uh, two nights ago. And I, I tried to give my three-year-old a college football lesson. And it's a very easy read. There's not a ton of words. There's a lot of pictures. And he loves it because he already has the cars memorized. There, there's two big black engines for the little red caboose's train. And I said, son, that's the Big Ten and that's the SEC. And then you have the oil cars. That's the Big 12. Then you have the coal cars. That would be the ACC. Then you have the flat cars. That would be the group of five. And then the little red caboose would be the Pac-12. Let's be honest. They are essentially being pulled along in all of this. Uh, I don't think that anything that they do changes anything that any other other Power Five are going to do as far as their decision making moving forward. But I was I was very surprised that the Big Ten decided to come out because I was in agreement with you. Uh, I was in agreement that that these these conference commissioners wanted uniformity. They were going to try to push uniformity, and that was something that was going to be probably valuable and something that could help us actually find a way to get college football this season. When I looked at the background of Kevin Warren, Big Ten commissioner, I, I began to sort of develop theories of my own. Uh, you, you see a legal background. You see an NFL background. And the only thing that I can ascertain, because I, I've talked to a lot of people in the media, a lot of people involved with college football as to why he did what he did. And most of them say, I have no idea. The only theory that I can come up with is that legally he wanted to sort of get ahead of the curve. And I don't know if that's just a CYA. I don't know if it's liability, but I think it might have something to do with contracts. And if the Power Five would have waited all together at once and said we're all going to conference-only schedule, then you could be looking at some sort of a collusion lawsuit possibly where the group of five says, those guys just went and bailed on us and cost us, I don't know, $80, $120 million, whatever all of those payouts would be that they're all of a sudden not going to get. And by the way, 
if your conference commissioner has laid down the guidelines that you're only going to play teams in your conference, well, it's not Ohio State's fault that they're not playing a team from the MAC. It's, it's not Northwestern's fault that they're not playing a team from the Mountain West. All of a sudden, your hands are clean. You didn't cancel that game. Your commissioner told you you weren't allowed to play that game. So that's the only thing that I could come up with as to why that move was made when it was. And having a little bit of NFL background tells me that there might be some sort of middle finger to everybody. We're going to do what we do because that's what Roger Goodell would do. And that's what the NFL would do. So I, I just studying his background, those are the only things that I could come up with as to why it makes any sense. Cole Kublik from the SEC Network with us on Dickerson and Hood. It's time for Straight Talk, brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. So, Cole, I mean, what do you think the chances are the SEC goes the same way and has conference-only schedule eventually when they make their decision in late July? Well, the SEC is going to go a similar way. I don't know if it'll be the same way. And I, I think the big advantages that the SEC has to not necessarily do the exact same thing is, one, they're already six-game scheduled with ACC teams on SEC team schedules. I think also the geography of a lot of the ACC and a lot of the SEC works really, really well. Obviously, Georgia, Georgia Tech, Florida, Florida State, South Carolina, Clemson. Uh, I mean, we could go North Carolina, South Carolina. You could go Georgia Tech, South Carolina, Georgia Tech, Auburn. I mean, that's an hour and 45-minute drive. The geography works for a lot of those football teams. And if if travel is still going to be a major obstacle when we do get to playing games, then I think there might be a way to squeeze a few of those games in. Uh, my assumption would be, and there's going to be a meeting in Birmingham on Monday with the school president, that you're probably looking at a 10-game conference schedule and that's going to end in early November that will be completely revamped. It's not going to be hold on to what you had scheduled in your division now and then we'll add some. That will be an entirely new schedule. Uh, the other way that I would see it would probably be a, a 10-game conference schedule leave what you have now, and then add your next two cross-divisional rivals being the next two teams in future schedules that you would play from the opposite division. I think that if I, if I understand everything Greg Sankey has done has, has evolved around patience and waiting, there's no reason that the SEC cannot announce one of those two schedules and then say, we're leaving the final weekend of the season wide open. If things are better and we can travel – and the ACC has agreed to stand by the exact same guidelines and share health and testing information with us, which from a HIPAA standpoint, I don't even know exactly how much of that can be exchanged, but you would want to know not just how, this is key, not just how many positives there were, who came back positive before you go in and play a football game. That could be critical for what teams may want to and not want to do. But I think they could leave a window open late and say, depending on how everything looks, we would like to try to keep some of these traditional rivalry games and see if we can make them work. And if we can play those, maybe some of our other schools can play some of their other schools, and that only adds to the inventory that we can provide to TV partners. Cole, as a college football fan, I'm, I'm one that does not complain about bowl season because there's value of the bowls because there might be games I, I won't watch but the majority I will watch because I'm a college football fan. I've, I've, if I'm invested all in the regular season, why wouldn't I be invested in bowl season? But nonetheless, in 2020, because of the travel, do you foresee a bowl season for 2020? It's very difficult to see one, and, and I'm with you. I, I, will, I will go to my grave wondering how and why people complain about more football. 
I mean, it absolutely boggles my mind. I, I know, it's like with the Ivy League, I think this could be the best thing that ever happened to the Ivy League. I'm getting a little bit off track here, but what if that thing works in the spring? I'm coming off work in the XFL. I just worked XFL games. I saw the appetite for football in the spring. It's there. What if they stumble upon a legitimate television contract, they play in the fall, and there's an extra half million, million, million and a half people that watch their games every weekend? Could be something that works out, but I'm with you. I love bowl games because, number one, it's just extra football. It's matchups that we oftentimes don't see. And the way that bowl games operate, I would find it very difficult for us to have a full postseason or even close to it. Now, go back to the geography that we talked about with the ACC and the SEC. I think that could actually be very possible with certain bowl games. Probably not all. Like, I don't think we're going to the Bahamas Bowl unless Dana White can get involved and we can have some kind of bowl <laughs> island and we can get that thing rolling down there. But I don't see a I don't see a postseason uh, like anything that we've been used to in the past actually taking place. Cole, thank you, my friend, as always. Appreciate your time. Please enjoy the rest of your weekend, all right? All right, guys. Thanks for having me.